Hey there, and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. We've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives, and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. I felt God gave me a word for today, and the word is this, that the water level is rising. In Norfolk, you're seeing the water level rising in the natural, but I felt as I saw the rivers overflowing that the water, the spiritual water levels are rising in this county. And here's what happens when the water rises. Everything comes up with it. And I feel like as we transition, as we cross over that there's going to be a rise in the spiritual climate of our city. There's going to be a rise in hope. There's going to be a rise in peace and joy. In the world, the joy is depleting the peace and the hope. But in the church, there is the opposite effect. And as people see the water rising in the church, it's going to be like just this magnetic force pulling people in towards the water the Spirit of God, and so I am just, you know, Chantal and I, we are just so grateful. We are grateful for every single one. Look at this. Just turn around. Look what God is doing. The water level is rising. The water level is rising. Stay in the river. Stay in the river. The safety in God's river, and we want to say thank you to every person, every staff member, past and present. We want to say thank you to our board, our elders, our dream team. We want to say a heartfelt thank you today to everyone who has made the last few weeks such an incredible, incredible transition. We've, we've coined a new word at Soul Church called Sappy which is basically happy and sad all on the same day. And this is a sappy day because just put your hand up if you, were, you either found God in this room, rededicated your life to God in this room, or you're baptized. Just put your hand up. Keep it up, keep it up. How amazing is that? Come on, we need to thank God for His goodness, His grace. Come on, my soul. <laughs> Lift up your soul. You got a so we throw up our gratitude. I thank you, God, for every life that was transformed in this room. Every child, every young person, every young adult, every family. Thank you for every light bulb that was screwed into the wall. Every person who went through the waters of baptism. For every marriage that was restored. For every covenant that was made in marriage in this room. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the dreams that were birthed in this room. I thank you, Lord, for those who had dark thoughts, but you shone your light into their minds in this room. I thank you, Lord, that this is just the beginning, Father. We praise you. We thank you, God. Amen. Amen. 
Why don't you take your seats? As you do, would you thank the worship team and all the production team? We've had a quiet few days as a staff and team. We've had our feet up and um, everything's just been happening on its own. It's amazing. It's in the church on Friday night and it's simply spectacular. And, uh, but you know what? God doesn't live in a building. He lives in us. We are carriers of the presence of God. We're going to carry his presence into that building. And, um, we're going to be doing something a little bit special at the end of this service the final benediction, and we're going to bring the children back in. So why I'm saying that is please don't leave early and go and grab your child because you'll miss out. So what the, the children will come into the service right at the end, and then the children will go back into Kids Church where you'll fetch them from. But um, obviously if you need to leave, go and, go and grab them. But just to let you know, we're going to be doing something towards the end. So many individual memories in this building. Who's got some great memories? Did anyone find their spouse in this room? There we go. There we go. Congratulations. Congratulations. Anyone still looking for those? This could be the day. This could be the day. The Bible says he saves the best wine for last. Hey, this could be the day you find love. Wouldn't be that a great story? So today we, we close the door on Mason Road for the final time and we open a brand new door in two weeks' time at Hartsey's Lane. I did say two weeks' time. So there's no in-person services next Sunday. It's really important you remember that. We have an online service at 10 a.m., specific word for that season. And, um, and then on the on 13 days today, the 2nd of March and the 3rd of March, I hope you've all registered. If you haven't, there's still a little space left at the 5 p.m. and at the 1 p.m. on the Sunday. Um, please, please, please register and wait for you. I think we've got over 4,000 people registered for the opening weekend. This is turning into the wonder, which is amazing. But pray for the team because there's a lot of logistics, a lot of people flying in from all over the world uh, for this. Okay, today is a crossing over moment. I want to talk about the power of crossing over in our lives. I want to draw some comparisons from the story of Joshua as the children of Israel crossed out of their Mason Road, their desert, into their promised land. A little bit of context. The Israelites have been in 400 years of captivity and God chose a man called Moses to let his people go. To lead Israel through the Red Sea into the desert close to the promised land. And they stayed in the desert for 40 years. It was meant to be an 11-day 11 11-day 11 of travel, and somehow, through disobedience and complaining and getting comfortable, they end up in a desert for 40 years. And a whole generation missed their destiny. And Moses dies, and God says, I'm going to raise up a new leader. This leader is actually going to finish the job that Moses started. His name was Joshua. Many of you be familiar with Joshua, and his job was to get them out of the desert into the promised land. And so, a few weeks into his role, he gets them to what is the banks of the Jordan River, Jordan. And between Jordan and Israel is this river. And they are so close, they could almost smell the air. 
They can see it with their eyes. But between them and their miracle, their destiny is a river. But it's no ordinary river because it's a river in flood. It has strong current. It's standing in their way. And God says, get ready, Joshua. I'm going to send you over this river. He didn't just have his family. He had two million passengers. Two million Israelites. He says, when you send the Ark of the Covenant in first, the water's going to split. And you're going to be able to walk through just as you did the Red Sea. Can you imagine? On one hand, they are in a parched, deserted, barren, desolate place. And through the eyes, they can see vegetation. They can see the promised land. They can see everything that God has promised. Crops, figs, grapes. The favor of God awaits them. But the only thing which separates them from the promise is a river. But it's a river in flood. You know, often our lives can look a little bit like this. God gives us a dream. God gives us a plan. God gives us a destiny. God gives us everything we think we need, but standing between us and our future is a problem, an obstacle, a river. And just like the children of Israel, we cross over this week. But crossing over isn't just something for our church. Crossing over is something that we do as individuals regularly. We move from house to house. We move from school to college. We move from college to university. We, we move from career to career. We move from job to job. We move from city to city. We, we move from country to country. We move out of a bad relationship, hopefully into a new, better relationship. And I believe that God is calling us to step through some new doors in 2024, but it requires us leaving some old rooms. And crossing over is never easy. If you've ever moved home, it's not easy. It's nice when you get the news that you've sold your house, but when the reality comes that you have to leave your, your room, leave your memories, leave the garden, leave the things, it is not an easy moment for any of us when we have to cross over. And what the Israelites found out and what I've discovered is this. Whenever we cross into something new, it always requires change. Whenever you cross into something new, it always requires change. And in two weeks, 13 days, everything is about to change for this church. Everything. Your postcode, parking, your seat. You're going to walk in and say, why are they in my seat? Because <laughs> some of you are creatures of habit. You've been sitting in the same seat for the last five years, ten years. Can you imagine someone walking in and they've got your seat? I'm not coming back to that church, you know. Pastor John's told me I can only turn left out of the gate. Well, I live in Thorpe, and I'm not turning left. I'm going to hold everyone up because I'm going to... And, you know, there's a whole lot of mentalities... That's going to have to change for us as we cross over. We are marching. Is that the heating on? Is anyone else hot? Okay. We've got every door open. We can't. I'm not sure what's happening. It's like the middle of February and we're all sweating. The heating's not been on since 8 o'clock in the morning, but there is a lot of you, so. People are like fanning themselves in February. It's just like... We are marching today, we are marching into our God-given future, 
but get ready for change. If you take your notes, write this down. Anything that wants to grow and have a relevant future has to change. Anything that wants to grow and have a relevant future has to change. One of the challenges with church is people don't want to change. Imagine if we used a football from the 1950s. Remember one of those brown ones? There's Barry. You remember those footballs, don't you, Barry? England international, Chelsea, Chelsea, played for Chelsea. Well, he would have played with a brown leather ball. But imagine you, you use that brown leather ball now. The players wouldn't even go near it. But the, meth, the message of football has not changed. It's still 11 v 11, same size field, but the methods have to change. And it's the same with church. The message of Jesus will never change. The message of his love and his grace and his redemption, it never changes. But the methods have to change. The methods have to evolve. But for the methods to evolve, it means we have to change. One of the things I'll promise you is we'll never do is water down the gospel in this church. We'll never water down the gospel. How we present the gospel. Sometimes the gospel will look like Mary Poppins. Or a naughty elf at Christmas. And things will change. But the gospel of Jesus will always make sure we give people an opportunity to find Jesus as their personal savior. So as a church, God has chosen us as a generation to cross over. I felt the Lord say this yesterday as I was studying. John, I'm not just, I'm not just helping you to cross over. I'm helping churches in this nation to cross over. So as they come in... They're going to see things the way we do things and present things. And there are a lot of churches, there are a lot of Christians that need to cross over. They are stuck. And we want people to help and move forward and cross over. And we were on Chantelle on Friday night. We snuck into the new building. And, we were, and there's some of the amazing things that I can't say what they are because I want them to be a surprise on the opening weekend. But it is beautiful. And I pray, I said, Lord, I want people to find you on the street. We've got this 75-meter street, and it's just packed full of God's goodness. And I want literally, before they even get into the auditorium, they're going to find Jesus on the street. Find Jesus in the atmosphere. So crossing over will take us from our past into our promise-filled future. You know, I've met so many amazing people over the last 12 months in Soul Church. You know, you've had to cross over. You've had to cross over cultural barriers to be in Soul Church. You've had to cross over language barriers. You've had to cross over even religious barriers. You've had to cross over from nation to nation. I want to say thank you. Thank you for pushing past some of those things to be part of our community. Can we just thank everyone who's moved in to our church? We are so grateful for you. But you know, crossing over is actually a part of a fulfilled life. If we just stay where we are, we get comfortable. And life gets predictable. It's colorless and it's familiar. Yet God is calling us today on this final 11 a.m. service to cross over. To cross over. Joshua took seven steps as he led the Israelites across the Jordan. I want to share really quickly these seven steps with us. And also, I want, I want you to apply these seven steps before you ever cross over into something new in your own life. So this isn't just for the church, this is for you. If you're selling your house, if you're moving cities, moving countries, career paths, students moving out of home, I'm going to share with you seven steps for you to apply to your life whenever there's a transition. This will help you. Number one, the first step which Joshua had to apply was the step of separation. 
Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. What a lovely way to put things. I mean, normally we'd say, you know, it's very sad that Moses passed away peacefully in his sleep and the family would like your, you know, but the Bible's ruthless, isn't it? Moses, your servant, is dead. It's cut and dry. When God told Joshua, Moses was dead, it was not information, it was separation. Often we see that as just information, it was separation. God was saying to Joshua, that season has finished. You've got to separate yourself from the past. Moses had led the children of Israel for 40 years, but it was time for Joshua to take command. For God's people to go into their next phase, there has to be separation from the past. Now, this is probably the hardest one of the seven steps, separation. For us to go in this new season, there's got to be separation. Now, I'm going to share with you a life principle. So if you are an atheist, an agnostic, put all that to one side. I'm just going to share you a principle from the Bible which will help you. It's this. If we want to go into something new in life, we have to let go of something old. If you want to step foot into something new, you have to let go of something old. That's what God was teaching Joshua. And God is saying today, as we leave Mason Road, we've got to let it go. You know, even some of the furniture, some of the things we actually don't need, I find it hard to let things go. Does anyone else find it hard to let things go? I told our staff, I said, we're not a storage company. We haven't built a building to store things. We've built a building to bless people. So we've been able to even bless churches around the city with some of our furniture from Mason Road. It's so easy for us to stay comfortable in our our own desert of Mason Road because we know where to park, we know how it works, we know where the kids' church is, we know how the cafe works. But today we have to let it go. And I say this really respectfully, just as God told Joshua, Moses is dead today, Mason Road is dead we move on. When you walk out of that threshold and you cross that threshold for the final time, we let go of everything that we're holding on to. Even Jesus said in John chapter 12, he said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it reproduces many seeds. This kernel has to separate from the plant in order to make a difference. So this is the first step today is separation. And it's difficult. But we separate ourselves from anything that cannot move us forward. Now the question is this. Not necessarily in terms of soul church. But I wonder wonder what you need to separate from in your life in order to move forward. Maybe it's an old number on your phone. Keeps holding you back. Because you know when you need a little bit of affirmation, a little bit of love, a little bit of, you know there's a number there you can go to and it's a safety number. But you also know that that number is holding you back. Maybe it's a website. Maybe there's something on your phone that you're saying, today I need to separate in order to move forward. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe there's some mindsets in here that today we can leave behind as we move forward. Maybe there's some mindsets that are keeping us poor. Maybe there's some mindsets that are holding us back. Write this down. You can't have Joshua and keep Moses. 
You can't have Joshua and keep Moses. You have to choose. Do I want my old life, my old habits, my old stuff, my old thinking, or God, I trust you that you're going to do something brand new as I walk forward with Joshua. You cannot keep Moses and have Joshua. Let me put it like this. Never stay anywhere mentally or emotionally that you have moved on from physically. Come on, come with me here. We are physically moving. You are physically like me. You cannot leave your mindset or your emotions in the past. You cannot leave your emotions with that old relationship when your physical relationship is moving forward in another direction. It's interesting. Jewish custom was they would take the bodies of the dead with them to honor them, but not Moses. The Bible says Moses was left in Moab on the other side of the Jordan. They crossed over and left Moses. Why? Because you can't have Joshua and keep Moses. Do we honor Moses? Do we honor Mason Road? Are we thankful for our heritage? Absolutely. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. But when I walk out of this place tonight at 11 o'clock, when these chairs are packed up and the place is packed down, we leave it. Because you can't have Moses and have Joshua. Moses' mentalities, young, young adults, young people, Moses' mentalities have no right in your future. They have no right. You've got to let go of some stuff in order for your life to move forward. Let me just show you about the, understand the Jordan River. I'm going to put a slide up for you to get this. The Jordan River is fed by the Sea of Galilee. It's fed. It starts out in the Sea of Galilee as fresh water. But by the end, right at the bottom, it turns into salt water, which is called, some of you have been in there, called the Dead Sea. So when the Israelites crossed at the Jordan, at the Jordan, the Jabbok River, as they crossed, this was symbolic. Because they were letting go of their hurts, their insecurities, their wrong thinking, the pain, the offenses of the past. So when they crossed the Jordan, when the river eventually came back through, it would have swept all of their pain, their past, their emotions, it would have swept it into the Dead Sea, gone and buried and forgotten. It was interested where Jesus was baptized. He was baptized in the River Jordan because it's symbolic of an old life going down into the water and it being washed away. Today, when we cross over, we're leaving our pasts. We're leaving the pains. and the, Maybe there's been pain in this room. Maybe, maybe you once sat here with your spouse. Maybe you once sat here healthy. And today, your sickness. But today, when we leave here, it's symbolic that we are leaving the pain of our past in the Dead Sea. I wonder what we need to let go of today so it flows into the Dead Sea. As we walk out of those doors, we leave behind anything that can hold us back. Step number one is step of separation. Step number two is step of confirmation. After God established the fact that children of Israel needed to move forward, he confirms it. Three times. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5, he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. 
Before you step out, this is crucial. You've got to establish God's promises in your decision. Do not, do not transition, cross over into anything new without God giving you clear confirmation. So critical. When people, when you, whenever you have a big life decision to make, I'm not talking about is it a red sock day or a blue sock day, okay? You don't need to go to God that. He doesn't care, okay? He just loves your socks. He loves your feet. He made them, okay? I'm talking about do I transition into a new job? Do I leave church for another church? Do I marry this individual? Here's what you need to do. Get a confirmation from God. One of the questions I always ask God is, have you confirmed this? We can't leave church based on a bad feeling or a bad sermon. Can't leave our jobs because our boss didn't say the right things one day. Or we don't leave our spouse because they didn't buy you flowers on Wednesday. It's another story. As a wise man once told me, every day is Valentine's Day. She's back on Mother's Day, don't worry, she'll get her own back. Didn't she do amazing last Sunday? Come on, let's thank Chantel. Just before Joshua crossed the Jordan, he gets confirmation. I want to encourage us, before we step out and do something and transition, we need confirmation. The very first day we announced that we were going back to the Heartsees, God put that cross in the sky. And it was confirmation that we were on the right track. If you have confirmation, you have everything you need. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 says, I will be with you. In times of change and transition, the promise is, I will be with you. Stick with Jesus. Turn to the person beside you and say, just stick with Jesus. Do you know, one of the things that kept me moving forward the last few years with this building is that staying at Mason Road was more frightening than building this building. Do you know there's one thing more frightening than doing what God's told you? Not doing it. It's frightening. I can't imagine what would happen if I'd have said no or if you said no. When you say yes in the moment, it's frightening. But when you say no in the moment, it's even more frightening. What God, once God has confirmed what you need to do, you have to keep going, even though it makes no sense. You know, even good people will try and talk you out of it. Good people. Never allow good people to stop you reaching your best life. Because there will be good people in your life. There is good people that have tried to talk me out of doing what I'm doing. Good people. Good people. But when you know God has placed a dream, a desire in your life, no good person can talk you out of it if God has confirmed it. Deep, 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 deep down, we have to keep coming back to this confirmation. Joshua 1, 5, I will be with you. God has been with us. Step of separation, step of confirmation. Number three, step of determination. Three times in one chapter, God says to Joshua these words. Joshua 1, chapter 6, be strong. He says twice and courageous. Then the third time he says it, be strong and 
very, very courageous. Why did God keep telling Joshua so many times? Because God knew how humanity works. Have you ever made a decision and then realized that discouragement arrives? Discouragement comes. And the enemy loves to attack us with discouragement. Imagine standing on the shores of the Jordan with two million people and the rivers in flood in front of you. I would feel pretty discouraged. If I'm really honest, the enemy's constantly messing with Chantal and I's minds. Friday night we walked in the building. The first thing the enemy said is this, it won't be finished. I'm just being honest. I'm not saying what's going to happen because God's spoken to me. It won't be finished. Second thing the enemy says is, how on earth are you going to pay for this? Amen. But do you see how the enemy works? Because my situation is different to your situation. Because you walk into your new job on the first day, and this is what the enemy says, you don't fit here. You don't fit here. Or you walk into a new job, you're not qualified. Or you walk into university on your first day, you'll never pass this degree. And Joshua would have felt those words, even though he'd separated, even though he'd had God's word confirmed, he knew what it was to feel discouragement. Maybe for you, maybe you don't feel good enough to be in church. Maybe you're here today, but you just don't feel adequate. Everyone else has got their hands in the air. Everyone else is singing so beautifully and everyone else, but no one knows what you've been through this week and you feel discouraged because all the words you're singing are the exact opposite of what you're feeling. You'll never be free from debt. You'll never be married. Discouragement is so destructive. I think more dreams have been taken out in this church by discouragement than anything else. Do you know discouragement is sometimes just a subtle word? A comment on social media. Do you know sometimes we can do so much in our lives and one person, one little comment can just flatten us. Often we think discouragement is this big thing, but it's often not a big thing, it's a tiny thing. And I am tired of the enemy discouraging the church. David, he was, he was down, he's in a pit of discouragement. I want to just share thing, two things that God showed me. Every time you face discouragement, there are two places you go. These are two places. If you are discouraged, there's two places you go. Number one, it might sound really elementary, is God's word. David put it like this. I am completely discouraged. I am completely discouraged. I mean, that's honest. I mean, most of us, how are you doing? Well, I'm having a bit of a tough time. David's like, no, I'm done. I'm out. I mean, this is, this is bad day. I am completely discouraged. But then he says this, revive me by your word. Discouragement is a bully. You ever met a bully? Anyone ever get bullied at school? I got bullied at school. Now, this is what they used to teach you at school. Now, they don't teach you this anymore, and I don't recommend that you do this anymore, and I am not responsible for what I'm about to say. Okay, because... If, if you get bullied at school now, you're going to, teach, to speak to a teacher, look to the clouds, count to ten, take some deep breaths, all those fun things. Back in the day, this is what they taught you at school, bully the bully. They taught you to stand up to the bully. Is that right, Barry? You stood up to him. He's like, yeah, that's what we did back in the day. You go home and tell your parents I'm being bullied, well, go and get them. Now it's like, and I get it, I think probably there's a hybrid option between the two that would work nicely, but... so. What do you do with the bully of discouragement? 
you bully the bully. David said, I feel completely, stick that back up please, I feel completely discouraged. Discouragement's been bullying me. But guess what? I'm going to revive with God's word. God's word bullies the bully. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge. He is a very ever-present help in time of Need. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, of discouragement, but he has given us power and love and self-control. God's word revives. God's word encourages. God's word brings fresh determination in our lives. First place you go to when you feel discouraged is God's word. This is the big one. Second place you go to when you feel discouragement is you go this. This is what Joshua did. You go to your calling. You go to your calling. This is the question. Did God call me? Did God call me into this job? Did God call me? Whenever we've had doubts or been discouraged as pastors, this is what Chantal and I, we go back to on a Monday. Did God call us back to Norwich? And every time the answer is yes. So when I go back to God's word and when I go back to my calling... It puts courage to fight discouragement. It gives me a fresh determination. So the question is this. If God's called you to go to university, and when you get to university, it doesn't feel right, go back to your calling. You keep falling back, not on your feelings, because your feelings will often tell you something opposite to your calling. Is this what God called me? Did God call me to Teen Challenge? If God's called me to Teen Challenge, however I feel, I'm going to keep moving forward. Did God call me to Soul Church? He spoke to me that this was your church. But I didn't like the way that person spoke to me in the car park. Did God call you? Did God call you? I'm sorry what happened in the car park. But the question is, did God call you? And you fall back on your calling, not your feelings. You know, everything in life gets easier once we have courage and determination. So many people get taken out from crossing over in life because of a lack of determination and courage. Hebrews chapter 11 is a very interesting chapter in the Bible. I'll let you read it when you get home, but we think Paul wrote it, and he lists some heroes of the Bible, some people who are like standouts. It's like watching Premier League legends, okay? All the Premier League legends, all like Jeremy Goss and Robert Flake, all the Premier League legends of the past, okay, would be listed in, in, in there. And this is what the Bible says. It says Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Gideon. But the problem with this list is it's not a list of people who lived a perfect life. Actually, it's not even a list of people who lived a holy life. But there is one factor that keeps this list together. Are you ready? It's every single one of them lived a courageous life. In between Moses and Gideon is a lady by the name of Rahab. Rahab had a very interesting job. She was a prostitute. She was a a lady of the night. What is she doing on a list of the heroes of faith? What right does she have to be on that list? She wasn't holy. She didn't live an acceptable life as what we would think in this day and age. 
Yet she finds herself on the list of people who made a difference. This is what I realized, that God is drawn to courage because Rahab smuggled Joshua and Caleb a few weeks before into the promised land. Out of her window on a scarlet thread. You know the story, many of you. She smuggled them in so they could spy out the land before he crossed over the Israelites. God is looking for a a determined people, not a perfect people. God is looking for determination. God is looking for courage. We won't always get it right. We will make mistakes. We will say things, do things. We will get it wrong. And thank you, Jesus, for your grace that covers us. And God's grace covers that list. But hidden in that list is Rahab. And what Rahab teaches me is this. God is looking for a group of people with courage who will step out and do something outside of the ordinary. Separation, confirmation, determination. Number four, the fourth step is this, expectation. God says to Joshua, tomorrow, I love this, tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Can we just change that? God is saying to us in 13 days, soul church, the Lord will do amazing things among you. I love the way it says among you, not for you. It's going to be amongst us, which means we can't do it without you. And you can't do it without the person next to you or the person behind you, amongst us. The miracles are going to be amongst us. It's not going to be the people at the top, the people at the front are going to get the miracles. The miracles is going to be amongst the congregation, amongst you. I'm declaring over our church as a step of expectation, this building will be paid in full with overflow. I gathered all of our staff and some of our board and elders a couple of weeks ago. And uh, just a few days before they laid the carpet in the main auditorium in the new church, we wrote that in red Halford's paint. Spray, paid in full with overflow. Because this is my expectation. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. We've been saying it from the start, and we're going to keep saying it till it's done. This building will be. That is my expectation. Whenever you cross over, you have to have an expectation of what God is going to do in your life. You're not just going to university. The expectation is God is going to use you to start a revolution in your university. You're not just starting a business and leaving a stable job to go into something new. The expectation is God is going to exceed and exceed your expectations. He's going to do something through that business. It's no ordinary business. It's a kingdom business to bless and help others expectation we've got to expect salvation miracles the supernatural open doors a turnaround I'm expecting I, I was in on at the Hartsey's Towers Justice was playing football two weeks ago and I felt the Spirit of God say this expect a turnaround on that estate that's got to be worth an amen I said I am expecting a turnaround on the Hartsey's and Plumstead estates I'm expecting it. I'm expecting our church, alongside all the other incredible churches, to work together. And we could, could we see 
a change around, a turnaround in poverty, in child poverty, in bed poverty? Could we see a turnaround as a result of what the church uses? The first person that God used to turn around the nation of Israel was a prostitute. A prostitute. God says, guess what? I'm choosing you to be the first person to turn something around in this nation. Maybe we need to reverse our thinking about how a city is transformed. Communities, and this is, this, is, this is messing with me, so what I'm about to say might mess with you, but communities are changed from the grassroots up, not from the top down. Now this is honest, it's, it's through scripture. It, change never comes from top down, it comes from bottom up. The thing is, we're all looking for a politician to come and be our savior. It's not gonna work. Doesn't matter if the left get in, the center get in, or the right get in, nothing is gonna change. Transformation in a community, a city, a nation comes from the grassroots up. It's up for the church to stand up and start serving, start loving, start helping communities in this nation. My hope and my expectation is not in a prime minister. My hope and my expectation is in Jesus and his church. The city is our future church. Like Joshua, do you have an expectation for your future? Separation, confirmation, determination, expectation. Number five, the step of preparation. The Jordan is at flood stage, all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. God says to, God says to tell the priests, even though the Jordan is in flood, go get your feet wet. Who doesn't like getting cold feet, like literally? Putting your toes in the cold sea. Some people just like, you know, these people on Boxing Day going swimming in chrome. I mean, where are you? Hello. There's two, well done. We, we have, I'm not sure if it's respect. We think, we, we love you. Do you know what happens just before you, can, you, you make a decision in life? You can get cold feet. You're about to move house and the reality of it sinks in and suddenly you can get cold feet. God says to Joshua, he says, tell the priest to go in and put their feet in the water. I've been in the Jordan, it's cold. Those feet would have been cold in that moment. There's going to be times when you transition. There is going to be times when you make a decision to move in and you start walking out. Your feet are going to hit the water and they're going to feel cold and you're going to get cold feet. It's part of life. Get ready. Prepare yourself. We are about to cross. The priest's toes touch the water. Can you imagine how much it must have felt? You know, cold feet is actually part of life if you want to move forward. If you have cold feet... But going forward, it's, actually not, it's a sign not to go back. It's a reminder that God is calling you forward. Now we've had, Chantal and I, we've had many cold feet moments in this project over the last seven years. Many cold feet moments. Because just as you move forward, you, you feel the water on your toes. It's easy to retreat. I told you the story many times. But the very first Sunday, 10 years ago nearly in July, the first service I was hiding in a toilet with the door locked. I said, God, I can't do this. I'm not adequate. I'm not qualified. It was a cold feet moment. Literally, I, wasn't, I was sitting on the floor in a cubicle saying to God, I cannot do this. Cold feet. But here's what I realized, that cold feet are a part of moving forward. 
You've got to get that determination in your spirit that this is what God has called you to do. The step of preparation. Step number six is the step of appreciation. Joshua commanded, I haven't got time to read it, but Joshua commands the children of Israel. He says, pick up 12 stones from the desert. And just before you cross over, I want you to take those stones with you. You know, this wasn't, this wasn't just a, a peculiar request. This was Joshua commanding his people, saying, I want you to bring something to remind you of what I brought you out of. These stones are called the stones of remembrance. Can we never forget where we've come from? Never forget what God has done in our lives. May we never forget what it was like to be in Mason Road in the middle of winter when it's boiling and the middle of summer when it's scorching, when it takes 45 minutes to get out on the road after church, to get onto the ring road. May we never forget felt God was saying those stones of remembrance today. I want us all this week to write down 12 things you're thankful for what God has done in your place, in your heart, in this place. In this, just write down those 12 things. And every day until we move into the new building, I want us to give thanks for those 12 things. God, I thank you. I thank you for that day when I came in and I didn't get anything from the message. I didn't enjoy the worship. The coffee was cold. But when I walked out, this little lady gave me a hug. And I'm so grateful for that hug because that hug kept me going. I'm so grateful that someone noticed me today. I think we've all can write, who can write down 12 things of what God has done? It's the step of appreciation. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. God, I want to start this day and say thank you. Joshua is reminding the children of Israel, we can't cross over into something new before we thank him for what he's done. Separation, confirmation, determination, expectation, preparation, appreciation, and the final step that Joshua took was the step of consecration. It says in verse 11, it says, See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. The ark of the covenant symbolized and carried the presence of God. Consecration simply means to be set apart. And the ark had to be set apart from the people. The presence of God had to go ahead of them. Had to go ahead of them. I don't want a new shiny building without the presence of God. We don't want to go into a new chapter without the presence of God. And so today when we're singing about blessing the Lord, we are literally sending the presence of God ahead of us. And the presence of God, we actually don't carry the presence of God. The presence of God actually carries us. Even though the priests were carrying the tabernacle, the tabernacle was carrying them. The presence of God wants to carry you. As you carry your Bible, as you carry your prayer life, as you carry your personal devotion, your personal devotion, your prayer life, and your Bible will carry you. God says, send the ark, the presence of God, send it ahead. And as it goes ahead of you, it will carry you. 
So what do we do? We wake up in the morning, we say, presence of Jesus, go ahead of me into this day. Go ahead of me into this situation. Go ahead of me into my university. Go ahead of me into that difficult conversation with my parents. Go ahead of me into the courtroom. Go ahead of me. Presence of God, I want you to go first. Because if I go first, I'll mess it up. Moses messed it up. But Joshua was determined, you know what? The presence of God must go with me. Moses said it. He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us away from here. I don't want to go without his presence. Don't go into that relationship without the presence of God. If if your boyfriend or girlfriend isn't carrying the presence of God, don't go. Don't go into that new job without the presence of God. We need his presence. We need more of the presence of Jesus than ever before in this dark time. We need the light of Jesus to shine through us. Is anyone saying today, I want to take the step of consecration. I need the presence of Jesus to go ahead of me. I don't need to carry it. The presence of Jesus will carry me when I recognize it. Would you stand today? I'm crossing over. I'm crossing over. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new chapter. Who'd be honest enough to say today to say, God, I've I've got a new, I've got a dream, I, I've got I've got a transition, I've got something that I'm crossing over to in my life, and God, I need I need to separate. I need confirmation, I need determination, I need expectation for it. I need preparation. God, I need you. You're saying, God, I'm crossing over, but I cannot go without your presence. Where are you today? You say, I've got decisions to make, I've got things I've got to do. God, I don't just want to be led by my feelings. I don't want to just be led by a decision. But God, I want to be led by you, Father God, into my future. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's worship together. Amen. If you're going through transition, you feel there's a change coming, just lift your hand again. I want to pray for you. If you're watching online, I want you to lift your hands right now. God is preparing you. God is preparing you. Lord, I pray right now for every person who's got a career decision, crossing over into a relationship, crossing over into a new education role, Lord, crossing over in whatever area of life it is, Lord. As we as a church, we cross over. The first step is we would separate ourselves. Separate ourselves from Moses. Moses is dead. We would let go, Father God, of the past as we move forward. Lord, I pray that you would confirm, confirm the decision, Father, in your word. Confirm it, Lord. May we not make a life-changing decision without you speaking to us, Father God. Lord, I pray for fresh courage and determination for everyone who knows the decision they have to make. Be strong and very courageous. Lord, I pray that you'd put courage in their souls, courage in their hearts, Father God. I come against discouragement in people's lives. I come against anything that's holding them back. I speak courage and confidence in Jesus' name. We would have a great expectation about what you are going to do. I thank you, Lord, that their promised land awaits us, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the blessing and the favor on the other side. In Jesus' name. Prepare your hearts now. Preparation time preparation time. God is preparing you. God is preparing you.
God is preparing us as a church. As we cross over, God is preparing us. He's preparing our hearts. But part of that preparation is appreciation. It's thanking God for what He's done. Those 12 stones that Joshua commanded the people to pick up were in remembrance of what God has done. Would you just take a moment and thank God for what He's done for you in this place? Make it personal right now. Make it personal. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe it's a friendship circle. Maybe God gave you a desire for a job, a dream, for a a new career in this place, and you're now walking in it. Why don't you thank Him? Thank you, Jesus. The final step is holy consecration. We do not want to leave this place without the presence of God. Joshua said, take the ark. The ark goes first. The presence of Jesus goes first this week. So Father, I pray as we leave this building, whatever we're leaving in our individual lives, I pray that the presence of Christ would go ahead of us. It would go before us. May we not move one inch without your presence. May your presence fill every room in that new building. May your presence fill every every conversation, every every area, every staff member. May your presence go ahead of us, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Without your presence, we're nothing, Father God. You're the Alpha and you're the Omega. Go ahead of us. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. I wonder if there's someone here today You've never made that decision to follow Jesus. You've never made that decision to make him the Lord and the savior of your life. Maybe you come into church for the first time and this is all new language, kind of new experience, but you can also sense there's something different here. And that is the presence of God. The presence of God is here in this place. And we wanna give you an opportunity to receive that presence into your own life. So you don't just feel it in this place, but when you go home and you're at school, you're at college, university, you carry that presence with you. Just as Joshua and the children of Israel did, you can carry his presence. But it begins with a decision. To say, God, I need you. I've tried to do life on my own and it just doesn't work out. I keep coming back to the same place, discouragement, hopelessness. I keep carrying this weight of shame and guilt. Today you can let that weight go. Today you can walk into your new future with Jesus. He loves you so much. One of the biggest things that stops people receiving Jesus is they don't think they're good enough. I think Rahab must have felt that. Why are you using me? God says, because I love you. And you still have a plan, I still have a plan for you despite the things that have happened in your life. I still love you. God can love Rahab, God can love any of us. God can love any of us. What a picture of grace and mercy. Today, on this final morning service in this building, I would be just over the moon to lead you to Jesus. Really would. So simply you say today, I want you to just say, I need Jesus. Just lift up your hand and say, I need Jesus today. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just lift up your hands and say, I need Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. 
God bless you. Anyone else? Just, just put your hand up and say, I need Jesus. God bless you. I need Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Would you do me a favor if you lifted up your hand? It's going to take a lot of courage. Would you just step out of your seat? Because I want to pray for you. I want to shake your hand and say, well done. If you lifted up your hand, bring someone with you. You come. You come. You come. If you lifted up your hand, you come. You come. You come. That's it. Come on. If you lifted up your hand, you come to Jesus. Beautiful. Come on. We'll keep cheering. takes a lot of courage because you've done exactly what I've just spoken about. Except the seven steps, you've gone, whoa. You stepped out. And we want to commend you. And at some point, the majority of people in here, they made this decision that you're about to make. And that's why we're here today. Because Jesus' love, it never fails. So we're going to say this prayer. It's going to be on the screen right there. Right? It's going to come up. Just backtrack. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and failures. So that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Would you clap? Clap and congratulate. We're just going to give you a Bible, give you some information and pray with every single one of these new converts to, to the faith. Can we, can we congratulate them? And we're so proud of you. What a beautiful sight. sight and people finding Jesus. That's why we do what we do. That's why we built a new building for these moments. And I'm going to believe that many, 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 many more people, what a final kiss of heaven on our morning services, hey? So beautiful. Chantel, why don't you just sing that out one more time? I believe in God, our Father. Let's lift our hands. I believe in God, our Father. So here it is. Amen. We're carrying the presence with us as we cross over. Thanks again for tuning in. 
If you said yes to Jesus today by saying the salvation prayer, we'd love for you to email connections at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision you've just made. And if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, head to soulchurch.com. And don't forget to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching at Soul Church UK. Take care and God bless.